Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Welcome to the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm your host, Dave Spano, Certified Financial Planner and President of Annex Wealth Management. Got a couple of uh, people in the studio today. Of course, my favorite Kokona galloping ghost, Mark Beck, is here. Good afternoon, Dave. And Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Hi, Dave. How are you? Excellent. Boy, Derek, you know, we've got to get right into it. Uh, as, we're, as we're getting ready to do the show... Couple minutes after four o'clock, it is. We are getting crushed with earnings news today, and lots of earnings reports. And I think we have to start. That's where we have to start. Amazon came out right here, and we expected a totally different result than we got. Well, I mean, all year tech has led the market. Uh, the tech index is up roughly thirty percent. So Amazon. Uh, some people had worried about margins and, and revenue uh, revenue slowdown, but in fact, Amazon actually delivered both top and bottom line beats. Uh, the stock is up 76 bucks or 7% after the close. So obviously, that'll give us a firm tone for the open tomorrow. It certainly will. And, you know, over $1,000 a share. And, you know, when people hear that, $1,000 a share, they go, boy, that must be an expensive stock. Now, in this case, it is an expensive stock uh, based on their earnings. It is. And the, th- the thing that's been a conundrum for most investors is Amazon really hasn't been delivering earnings in the traditional sense. I mean, anyone who lives in Wisconsin knows about that huge uh, facility they built down near Racine and, and, yeah, and all of that, all of those construction costs, all of that brand building, uh, infrastructure spending has has been to give Amazon a platform for growth in the future. So a real investor has looked beyond that and said, what is, you know, what is a normalized earnings path for Amazon going forward? And, and it looks like they're right about at the point where they're going to start to monetize all those investments they've made over the last four, five, six years. And that goes for Google as well. Google and its, its parent Alphabet also reported, and again, they did very well as well. Yeah, Alphabet beat on earnings and, and revenues as well. The stock's up 3% in the aftermarket. Again, online uh, search, uh, which is their bread and butter, has led to other ancillary benefits, and they continue to broaden out. You know, they're now in phones, they're in you know search, they're in uh, cybersecurity, they're all over the place, and they continue to, to elbow their way into other markets. And again, the regulators, this is something we have talked about a little bit, um, as these companies like Alphabet and Facebook uh, continue to grow, uh, there will be concerns in Washington because growth invites introspection, and Washington tends to get involved when companies begin to grow too quickly. So let's talk about Google just a little bit more in Alphabet. When people go and they, you know, they Google something, they want to find out you know, about unicorns or whatever the idea is, and they put it in something pops up and that's how that's how they get paid right they get paid on these ads well absolutely and that leads to the the efficiency of an ad buy i mean we've we've seen you know traditional advertisers who depend on you know print and television advertising those stocks continue to move lower and the the share of online advertising continues to rise i mean for example the other day i was looking for a, a golf club and all of a sudden, I, I go to the computer the next day, and I'm seeing golf shirt ads. I'm seeing golf ball ads. I mean, it's very clear that, 
you know, what I'm doing is not a secret to anyone. And, and the, the ability of a company like that to, to target market is, is really unparalleled in, in history, really, from a business perspective. In yeah. Google, Mark, is the biggest it, advertiser uh, that's the biggest in the world is Google. Most people don't realize that. That's true. You know, we as uh, consumers sort of think of Google as that's the place we go to learn stuff or search on items or get information, that sort of thing. But really what drives their revenue is advertising. What they get is the eyeballs. You know, when you think, okay, well, I want to know where to get pizza or something. So you Google pizza in Kakana and you're going to order pizza. You know, along with that come a bunch of different ads that pop up right there. They've got the eyeballs, and that's what's so important to them. We're talking to Mark Beck and Derek Felsky, both uh, of Annex Wealth Management. If you are interested in joining in on the conversation, you can call into the studio at 920-281-1150 or 886-887-1150. Continuing along those lines, Derek, there's, there has been a lot of, the, of things that have been happening. I think we have to talk about the Fed and what's happening here and Federal Reserve Banks around the world. Right. Well, today was a very interesting day because this morning the ECB uh, discussed what they're going to do in terms of quantitative easing. And what they announced is that while they're going to keep their, their lending rate at the same level, they do intend to curtail their purchases of bonds beginning in January of 2018 from uh, about a $70 billion run rate to a $35 billion run rate. So in a sense, they're following what our Fed has done and becoming a little bit less accommodative than they had been. And frankly, when you see the data out of the Eurozone, where the GDP has been growing as fast as the United States over the last several quarters, uh, it's, it's perhaps long overdue. Uh, but that, again, will continue to keep pressure on interest rates, keep them low overseas, which in, in turn keeps our rates low as well. So the, the low for longer thesis on interest rates continues to be in force. Mark, when you talk to clients about things like quantitative easing, I mean, it was a term 10 years ago no one ever heard of. And now it's part of our lexicon. Yeah, I love to take those terms that become popular in the media and break them down to what it means and how it might be actionable in an investment portfolio. You know, Derek, listening to you talk about the European Central Bank um, diminishing the amount of bonds that they're going to buy into the future springs back a term that became uh, popular not that long ago here in the U.S. that we called taper tantrum. The taper tantrum when the, when our Federal Reserve decided to taper back how much they were going to buy in bonds each month. Do we expect a similar type of reaction? I don't think so. I think that the central bankers learned a lot as a consequence of the taper tantrum. Uh, you know, the, the degree to which investors had become sort of addicted to the morphine of quantitative easing, if you will. And, and so I think the ECB has been very transparent in terms of what they're doing. In fact, in their comments today, they actually talked about their ability to ramp it up again in the future should the economy over there you know, start to falter, whether there's slowdown in the U.S. or slowdown in Europe. So I think they've done a really good job of, of conditioning investors' expectations. I think that the, the risk we all face with quantitative easing and low rates, whether it's here or overseas, is inflation. And right now we don't see it. Uh, but some of the some of the you know the green shoots of inflation are starting to appear. Wages are starting to grow at north of two percent. We've talked in the past about four percent being a real watch sign for the Fed. So we need to watch inflation, not just in terms of wages, but also in terms of commodity prices. But right now, in my opinion, you, you saw the reaction today. I mean, our market was up almost 100 points in the Dow. That was before those great earnings results after the close. So obviously, U.S. investors took it well. In fact, your point about terms, you know, Dave, one of the things that we pride ourselves on at Annex Wealth Management, when we get the chance to sit down with clients, is to take those complex topics 
and make them simple and understandable. Just break them down to the, the pieces, right? What does it mean if the European Central Bank slows down their bond buying program? Take aside the jargon and the lexicon and just talk in terms of how that might affect the investment portfolio, the things that we watch as an investment committee and the decisions that we might make as we steer our clients' investment portfolios. Which leads me to, you know, Derek just mentioned the fact that inflation is something that we watch. But, Derek, why is inflation such an important uh, item? I mean, we people, when they think about inflation, they think about Jimmy Carter and they think about what happened at the turn of 1979 1980 when it was out of control. That's not where we're at today. No, but well, we watch inflation because to the degree that inflation starts to ramp up, that would cause interest rates to ramp up as well. And... You know, given how indebted our, you know, our country has a $20 trillion deficit, uh, to the degree that rates start to rise, that becomes more problematic for Washington. One of the linchpins of the rally, one of the four pillars, as we call it, of this bull market has been the prospect of, of fiscal policy change you know, in Washington. And to the degree that rates rise due to an, due to a, an increase in inflationary expectations, that could truncate the, the, Fed's, uh, the administration's ability to pass tax cuts because of the budget consequences. But some inflation is necessary and healthy, right? There's no question about that, and we want to continue this conversation. If you are listening and you want to participate, you can call into the studio at 920-281-1150 or 886-887-1150. Stick around because we're going to continue our conversation with Derek Felsky and Mark Beck. You're listening to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Welcome back to the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm your host, Dave Spano, Certified Financial Planner and President of Annex Wealth Management. We have a great conversation going on with uh, Mark Beck, of Annex Wealth Management and Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. And when before we went to break, guys, we were starting to talk about inflation. It kind of made me think of uh, everything that's happening in really not only monetary policy but fiscal policy, Derek. And there is all of this talk about fiscal policy, and I, I'm not sure that everyone really grasps what that means when, when when we say that. Well, when you, when we talk about fiscal policy, we talk about government measures. Uh, that can can be used to stimulate the economy in this case. So, for example, it can be tax cuts on both a personal and a corporate level. And one thing that did happen this week is that the House did adopt a new budget, uh, which then clears the decks for a, a broader discussion of a tax code overhaul. The interesting thing about the budget was in the House it was passed 216 to 212, uh, with all Democrats voting against it. So in order for any kind of uh, fiscal policy to be enacted in Washington, you're going to need the Republicans to stick together, which clearly they did at least at this point. Which is interesting, Mark, because obviously there has been a lot of debate, particularly with Corker, uh, Senator Corker and, and the president. And But he was asked this morning, he said, is this going to sway your vote on tax reform? And he said, absolutely not. So, it, you know, they they may have a personality conflict going on today, but... If you want tax reform, and not only do we want it, right, I think the market wants it, and that's one of the reasons we're getting a run-up right now. Well, and there's tremendous pressure to deliver something constructive. If it's tax reform, how do we make this tax reform come together to be stimulative, as Derek says, so that the fiscal policy supports what the monetary policy has done over you know the last 10, well, almost 10 years now? And, and Derek, we saw at least the table starting to get cleared today with uh, and yesterday 
with the GOP passing a budget. Right, and I and I think you're seeing the markets react to that. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about the the banks in the United States doing mm-hmm. better. Um, given given the rise in rates, uh, but you're also seeing that happen in Europe and Japan as well. Uh, so you know, bond proxies like REITs continue to be under pressure because you know longer rates have been moving up some. And then, of course, the other the other wild card that we face is is who is uh, the Trump administration going to choose as as Fed chairman? And and unbelievable to me, they're now starting to put pressure on Trump not to bring back Janet Yellen, which obviously has been very good for the market because she is a dove. And we talk about terms. What is a dove, by the well, way? So a, a dove is more worried about stimulating the economy and less worried about inflation starting to heat up. Flip side of that is a hawk. A hawk is more worried about making sure that inflation is stays in check, even if that means the economy grows more slowly than it could have. So, Derek, all of this concern about maybe taking Yellen or not appointing Yellen, how do, how do you look at that? Well, again, the, there, there are a couple of candidates that are, whose, whose ideas have been floated, and they've all met with the president. They've all met with the vice president. Uh, Powell seems to be the, the odds-on favorite, and Powell is a current Fed governor who actually shares many of Yellen's views. So in some ways, he's getting the same sort of policy prescriptions from him. The one difference, though, is is Trump has come out many times and talked about regulation as a as a detriment to growth, particularly in financial services. And Yellen, about two months ago, came out in front of the Congress and essentially endorsed all of the things that had been done, which many in the Trump administration felt was too onerous and, and restricted the effectiveness of quantitative easing because essentially banks were forced to hold liquidity on their balance sheet not lend it out which was really the idea in the first place was to generate growth through lending now we don't know how this is going to unwind because it's it's a first frankly so how this eventually plays out we'll all have to watch and learn but the fact of the matter is low interest rates have pushed up equity prices that's right it certainly helped i think no matter who becomes a new you know fed chairperson what we're looking for is somebody who continues this theme of transparency and I think that's one of the very positive things that Yellen continued to expand as she took over was to be able to talk about what we're expecting to see, what the data might look like, and what the next moves are so that there's no surprises. You're listening to Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, and Mark Beck, Director of Wealth Management Services at Annex Wealth Management. If you're interested in joining in on the conversation, you can call into the studio at 920-281-1150 or 886 886- 887-1115. As I look at the board, I think we have a caller. Pat, if we can, uh, Pat, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank yes, you. I am. How are you doing today? My, I'm doing very well, thank you, and I trust you are, also. you are also. We are fine, thank you. And how can we help you today? Yes, so as I look at the recent increases in uh, the market that have been sig- so significant, reaching new highs, is a lot of this caused by overseas money coming into the market, or is this money that has has just not been invested in the stock market from U.S. entities um, that has been invested? And then secondly, as you look at some of the increases, for example, recently this week, 3M had very good uh, earnings, but their increase in their stock price seemed extremely high to me, as as well as Caterpillar, you know, a similar story. Could you comment about those two issues, please? Well, um, Pat, I mean, basically, 
you know, it's 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 kind of difficult to to ascertain where the liquidity is coming from. But it, it's safe to say that that given the measures that we've seen both in the United States and overseas, there is a lot of liquidity, a lot of cash around. So it's it's not hard to imagine overseas buyers looking at the U.S. market uh, with with some degree of optimism, because essentially, if you they're almost 40 percent of the companies in the S&P currently yield more than Treasury. So you're getting in a nice dividend yield on stocks here. And those those yields look even more appetizing to a to a foreign buyer. As far as the response of CAT and and 3M, I mean, again, you saw it this afternoon after the close with Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, and Intel all beating estimates. I mean, corporate earnings are are going in the right direction. They're improving. Margins are remaining stable. And, and oftentimes, you know, in a, a stock like CAT, um, it's, a, it's a momentum stock. When things are going well, it goes really well, as a, as a cyclical is prone to do. But And when things go bad, it goes really bad quickly. So, again, we're seeing just a broadening of leadership. And these are companies that earn a lot of money overseas. And those overseas economies, as we mentioned earlier in the show, are humming. Well, you know, one mm-hmm. thing I want to add to that, just, just because the stock market valuation, that the prices are going up, doesn't mean that there's more money necessarily coming into the stock market. Remember, it's a pricing mechanism, Okay. So what we are seeing is a willingness for buyers to pay a higher price for the same shares over and over. But that money may be coming from somewhere else in their portfolio. So they may have taken money out of fixed income to buy those stocks. They might be repositioning money out of, say, like telecom stocks to buy Amazon, you know, those sorts of things. So there's a willingness to pay a higher price, brings up the value of the stock market, but doesn't always mean there's more money coming in. Does that make sense, Uh, Pat? uh, Yes, it does. Thank you. You have to think about it like an auction. It really, it's an, a live, ongoing auction on a daily basis that's happening constantly. And so people are saying, yes, I'll buy, yes, I'll buy, and yes, I'll buy. Right. And that's and it goes really, and we can talk about rebalancing on the other side of the break, but that's really what it is. Maybe somebody is selling a, st- a good stock to buy a better stock, and the better stock in this case is a company like, in this example, was Caterpillar, who had blowout sales and blowout earnings, and people say, I'm willing to pay for that. Number one and number two, if tax reform happens and we get this repatriation and all of this money comes back, those companies that had money overseas will see an influx of capital to do a lot of things to pay down debt, to pay out a dividend, to buy their competitors, and so on. And, you know, when I think about it from an individual level, just thinking about the clients that we work with on a daily basis, there are always clients that need some money for some purpose. You know, they're in retirement and they're living off their nest egg, so they've got to take some profits. Maybe they're going to buy a place in Florida, and now's a good time, realize the profits. So there's always movement on an individual basis also that feeds that buy-sell cycle that goes on in the markets. Thank you, Pat. It's an excellent question. We appreciate the, the call. If you are interested in joining in on the conversation, you can call into the studio at 920 281 1150 or 886-887-1150. And of course, you can always learn more and have your questions uh, texted and emailed into us, but you can go to AnnexWealth.com, A-N-N-E-X Wealth.com. And there is a spot for you to submit a question or to learn more about the firm. If you also are interested, you should sign up for our, our weekly newsletter called The Axiom. We deliver those on a weekly basis. If you you are uh, interested, go to AnnexWealth.com. You're listening to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Stick around. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm your host, Dave Spinell, Certified Financial Planner and President of Annex Wealth Management. In the studio with me is the galloping ghost himself, Mark Beck. Mark uh, and I have uh, been dealing with clients now for, oh, I don't know, about and many, many years. Many years. Decades. I've, got, I've got 30 years. I was uh, the Mecca, the game at the, the Bucks Arena tonight, at, back at the Mecca back in the 1980s. So I'm going to put my members-only jacket on and go get myself <laughs> a, a malt liquor. All right, so we have uh, some calls lined up. If you are interested in joining the call, 920-281-1150 is the, is the number to ring, 886-887-1150 as well. And we will take your calls. You can be part of the show. And so first up, I think we have a caller. Greg, who do we have? Gary. Gary's uh, on the line. Gary, are you, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you today? Very good. Uh, um, I have a couple questions. Uh, number one, I just want to know if the, uh, I know the bank stocks are doing really well, Chase and Bank of America and so forth. Did they ever pay off uh, any of the loans or, or grants that they got from the federal government? And my second question has to do with, with Walgreens. I, I know they have some kind of a, uh, a new marriage with Rite Aid. Um, but why did the Walgreens stock go down? Is I, I mean, people are buying buy more pharmaceuticals and so forth. Uh, could you talk to those two things? Thank you. Okay, yeah, we can talk about those things. So let, let's start with the with the bank stocks. And what you're talking about is the TARP program, where the federal government uh, essentially, you know, stood behind the banks to help them with their troubled assets, okay? And... The answer to the question is yes. Now, did all of them pay off all of their loans yet? I would say no, but I've seen several times the articles written about this where they go back and take a look at all the money that went through some of the major money banks through that TARP program. And actually, the federal government made a substantial profit on the payoff of those TARP programs. So not only did they get the money back that they lent to those banks, but they made the profit that came along with it. So you know they charged interest to these banks to, to provide these loans and to provide this support to them. 
and they got that money back and they made money on it. So it was, it was pretty amazing how that actually worked. They did. And so the financials have bu- have been doing very well. In fact, they, ha- they have been a sector that has been leading. And you mentioned, you know, J.P. Morgan City. Uh, all of those stocks have done excellent. One of the reasons why clearly is because of what's happening with interest rates. And when interest rates start going up, the margins that the banks can charge start to expand. And so they do a better job. They can do a better job uh, all along. And the second question that Gary had, uh, which is was about Walgreens, you have to look at what Amazon is doing, and that is really key. Amazon has now received licenses in several states, their pharmacy license in several states. And you know what they've done from everything from Barnes & Noble right down the line, but the pharmacy stocks better take a look right now at what's happening. I think that's what you saw after market today where CVS and I believe it was Aetna are trying to put a deal together as well. So the, I think the pharmacy space is something that you better take a look at because when Amazon comes into your business, it, it's a, it's a, it can make a difference. So don't you think that all the players like Walgreens and Rite Aid, that the other players are recognizing that and they're saying, hey, we're going to have to band together also so that we've got scale and size and the ability to compete? Right. And, and again, Walgreens has not done well at all. In fact, that stock I think was in the mid-80s, is now in the 60s. And so it's something to pay attention to uh, for sure. And obviously it's Boots, uh, uh, Walgreens, that, that relationship went together many years ago. Do we have, an, do we have another call? Mark. Mark is uh, holding. Mark, are you online? Yes. Yes. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Um, got a day of vacation tomorrow, so we're doing very well. All right. Uh, sounds good. Um, I, earlier this uh, earlier this summer, um, I was in to see Dennis Johnson and uh, looking to uh, move my money to you guys, actually. But uh, at this time, I'm just turning 59, so I have six months to wait until I can actually get it out of my 401k. But uh, he, he made some recommendations to me uh, through, you know, what I currently have for options and, uh, you know, did very well, actually. So. Uh, but I was listening to Deanne Phillips this morning, um, and she was talking about the length of this bull market, and uh, and how at some point here online you can probably expect a, a correction. And I was just wondering if this was, uh, I mean, seeing all since the summer, since I actually went back into the market, because I was, I had pulled almost all my money out just before the election. And put it just into just uh, mutual, whatever, just 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 government money. And um, and so when I put it back in, and it ran up. Well, it's four thousand points now that it's gone up since I put it back in. Thank you for that. You 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 were the guy that tipped tipped it over. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, yeah. So when we get somebody to you know move forward, and then the market rallies, we think, okay, we have a victory here, right? I, I think where we're headed with this, Mark, is what you're worried about right now is, okay, I've got my money reinvested. We got this great market run up. What happens if there's a correction? Okay. And I think the critical element there is, you know, the process that I'm sure that Dennis worked with you on is understanding kind of your tolerance for risk and building an asset allocation that will allow you to get through that market correction. When they're short-term and they're quick and they're market corrections, we don't want to be in a position where we're trying to time that, where we're trying to say now, okay, I made some profits, let me get back out. Because what happens is you're caught on the wrong side. I mean, just like before you came to Annex and talked to us about an asset allocation, there were profits that were made along the way, and you may have missed out on those. So oh, yeah. we've got to look oh, yeah. at that you know, as the ability to kind of stick to that course and allow 
for the market to go through its cycles and produce the average annual results that you're going to need to have growth over time. Does that make sense? Stay the course and pretty much keep things where they are. Well, go I don't back and see Dennis, you know, right? Yeah, yeah but I, 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 as you know, Mark, I'm not a stay-the-course kind of guy always. I think exa- you are right on track, and that is the first thing you need to do is to have a deep dive into a conversation about risk. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, if there is a correction, you understand what the spread could be. Talk a little bit about what are the things that we do with some of the software. Right. So what we would do in this situation, we'd go through an exercise where we'd look at risk from the perspective of what's the downside potential? What do I have to be able to endure in the way of a market correction for me to attain the long-term results? And dialing that risk to a point where you'd say, okay, I'd be comfortable with that. Okay, I wouldn't be happy. Nobody's happy when the market goes through its correction but I'd be comfortable. I would stick with it, okay? So give it, give us an example of what you do. So, you know, we take that portfolio, take the 401k, put it into this in risk score it and give us a risk score, okay? And then take that risk score. We say, what does that mean in terms of short-term possible downside risk? So it might be that, you know, if you've got a middle-of-the-road portfolio that's kind of asset-allocated, balanced equally between stocks and bonds, maybe you've got to endure a 10% six-month market correction. You've got to be able to stick with that, okay? Then we also stress test it in like those periods of extreme, like what happened in 2008 with a portfolio that looks similar to this? Would you have been able to stick with that? And we show you those different scenarios so you can understand how that would would happen. So when it does occur, you can look at it and say, okay, this is within the realm of normalcy. This is something I need to be able to expect and get through. So you know sort of you're prepared for it in advance. So risk management, the biggest part in my opinion, is that first part is good counseling has to be, has, when you talk about investing, has to talk about risk management. It can't talk about just how much I can return. And then, for example, and, and you put it up on the screen, so if the person has $200,000 and they say, well, I can sustain a 20% downturn, and then you put it up on the board and say your 200000 could be one sixty. You get a different reaction a lot of times. Yeah, when you put dollars to it, right? right your exactly. eyes kind of change, but you've got to be able to look at that and say, okay, I know now what my expectations would be and what I've got to be able to get through. So you have an accept- acceptable risk and return profile. Two big risk management tools that you obviously that you use all the time and that we use is obviously rebalancing and making sure the asset is allocated across. You know, So right now we, we talk a lot about domestic stocks. But we have to have uh, we have to have international stocks. We have to have small caps. We have to have some uh, fixed income, and so that is how you risk manage some of that as well as rebalance when you get that opportunity. You're right. So it's proactive, right? So we we you know went through that process to set it up. We're going to continue to review it. We're going to continue to look at the risk level in the portfolio, and make sure your expectations are in line. And that's why set it and forget it. I'm not a big fan of that. So we have lots uh, lots more time left. We have about uh, 12 minutes left in the show. If you're interested in joining us, you can call us at 920-281-1150 or 886-887-1150. Stick around. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about a, uh, the conversation that's been had about maybe the government fooling around with your 401k plan. Interesting conversation coming up. You're listening to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Welcome back to the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm your host, Dave Splano, Certified Financial Planner and President of Annex Wealth Management. The doors have swung, and we have a couple of new guests in the studio at this point. Uh, Dennis Johnson is is here. Dennis, uh, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Good afternoon, guys. 
good. And Tom Parks, Tom, a uh, longtime friend of mine and a director of of retirement plans here at Annex Wealth Management. Tom, uh, you know the market has has been doing very very well lately. And in fact, uh, as we're as we're talking about it, and we see the tickers go by, Amazon's up seventy dollars after after the uh, after the hours trading uh, on really good earnings, but. One of the things that has been in conversation and one of the reasons why the market has done well is the potential that there will be some tax reform coming up. And tax reform has been a big part of the conversation. But in that tax reform, Tom, there has been conversation, and you can go on the Internet and see all these crazy things about the government's coming for your 401K plan. We've seen these crazy comments. Right. Yeah. And, and what happens when we see that is that uh, we're concerned that people are going to mess with our 401k. Sure, and and I think it's important that you brought it up in the context of tax reform because I think a lot of people don't understand that's where this is coming from. So one of the things that people have been talking about in Congress is limiting the amount that people can put into their 401k plan on a pre-tax basis. And a lot of people might say, well, what is that, you know, how would that fit into a tax reform bill? Well, if you think about it, when people put money into their retirement account on a pre-tax basis, that means that they are not paying taxes on the income now. Exactly. It's deferred till later. And so this discussion that we're having is the idea of essentially what they're talking about doing is restricting the amount that you can put on an annual basis. Right now it's 18000 Ironically, the Department of Labor just announced earlier this week that they're going to up that to 18500 for next year. But we need to think about what's going to happen in the context of this bill. So do we think, well, I don't know, maybe you and I don't agree, but what is your thoughts on the fact that we are, you know, we've talked a lot about there's a retirement crisis in this country and that we have to get people to save. In fact, we just uh, recently saw a survey that said, said almost 50% of Americans have not saved a penny. Right. Not, not into their 401K, not into their IRA, and this is the conversation we're trying to have. And I understand that, and why they're doing it because they can get tax dollars today but isn't that short-sighted down the road absolutely i do think it's short-sighted and that's one of the things and you and i do have you know good conversations about this where there are lots of different things to consider i would say i'm much more interesting after a couple oh absolutely there's no aren't we all um so i think that when you're looking at this without regard to what your personal opinion is on the pre-tax savings i just i think it I don't know why Congress would go about restricting our ability to save, period. That's just not a good idea, generally speaking. People need to save more. Go, that's just going backwards. It's going the wrong direction. But this is clearly part of the conversation that one of the things they would do is say everybody could, right? I mean, you read the bill, or at least the, the framework of the bill, sure. which is unbelievable. Unlike Obamacare, it was just a couple of sentences. Right. Well, so, that was a, so there are two things happening here. They're talking about restricting people's ability to save on a pre-tax basis for retirement accounts. But then the other thing they're doing, which I actually very much agree with, is they're talking about creating a new way of for people to save called a universal savings account usa they always got to come up with a good acronym right and what this would be is just a regular savings account treated a lot like a roth ira where you've paid the taxes on the money that you've had and now you can put it into this account and you can save it as long as the money's in there you don't pay taxes on it when you take money out you don't pay taxes on it fifty five hundred dollars so they aim for that ira limit and 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 i think that's a great idea but it's kind of like, hey, we'll give you this. You know, it's like if someone were to say to you, hey, do you want $100? And you say, yeah, I would. And they say, well, but I'm going to punch you in the face for you to get it. And then you say, well, hold on a second. I'm not so sure it's such a good idea anymore. 
So I think they should separate the two. I, One I, shouldn't have I anything would, to do with the other. I would take your punch for 100 bucks. <laughs> oh, hey. Watch it, mister. All right. So you Good know, thing this, this table's so long. All right. So, you know, one of the things that we do look at, though, is if this happens today, right, is it short-sighted? And does that mean that people's behavior is going to change? And say, if they look at it in a vacuum and say, okay, it, it's a wash economically, we don't know how people are going to behave. Because if you say it's not, you know, if for most people's 401ks, and this is what you do, this is on auto, and you know it comes out pre-tax, and it comes. And yeah. so, so I think behaviors, people's behavior would change I substantially. Think, well, people's behavior would necessarily change because they would be restricted from engaging in the behavior that they've been engaging in. So yeah, it would change. Now the question is, would they continue to save anyway, even though they have to pay tax on it? And that is a really good question. And if people were to en masse stop saving as much as they have been, the way we people do in a retirement account. Um, there are a lot of dollars. Even though there are a lot of people who need to save more, there are a lot of people who save a lot of money. That in itself could have an impact on the market because we're talking about a major flow of dollars. That's a really good point. Dennis, uh, are, you, are you dialed in with us today, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. So, you know, when we talk about retirement planning, Dennis, you know, one of the things that you sit down and you, d and you work with people on is how do you get from point A to point B and that really starts with really a good conversation, right? Right. We would start off way by finding out who they are, what they need to accomplish, what's their objective, what brought them into our office. So we want to identify what is recommended for creating a financial plan. And we do discuss those 401ks. We do discuss the current economy, as Derek mentioned earlier. And Dennis, you know, and you know, we even though we don't take into custody those assets, you have gone and said you know, your money is still in your 401k plan, and it, its asset allocation is involved in what we're doing here with the assets that we manage. Right. Those funds and those assets need to communicate. We need to have a relationship and knowing what actual diversification based on your risk is. We need to take a look at what your portfolio and your choices, which, by the way, as you know, in your 401k options are, are diminishing. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we took a look, take a look at those options, and we try to marry them with your other assets to create that optimal uh, diversification. Exactly. And just in a couple of seconds, Derek, I mean, uh, Dennis, what is uh, the wealth management overview that, that people should expect? I mean, what services would they expect if they came into, into the Appleton office? Right, right. What you're going to get besides someone listening to you and offering information, uh, but you're going to get two deliverables. You're going to get an analysis of exactly where your assets are now. And you're also going to be getting the second thing, which is a financial plan. Nothing gets better. Nothing gets done without a plan. No matter if you're building a house, no matter what your, what your process is, uh, that is like number one and important to what we need to do. Excellent. Really well said. If you are interested in getting one of those two deliverables, this free portfolio review or the framework for a financial plan, you go to AnnexWealth.com, A-N-N-E-X, Wealth.com, and there is a Get Started button and the Get Activated button. And go and hit that, and you'll ask a couple of questions, and you'll be able to communicate directly Dennis will re reach out to you. We'll sit, we'll sit down. We'll go through that process. This is a free thing that we do for potential listeners and WHBY listeners. We go through and we, we give those two deliverables for you. You'll learn more about what we're doing. You'll see if it's a good fit and it's healthy for both of us. If you want to learn more and if you want to get our, our newsletter every weekend, 
go sign up for the axiom and that again that's at annexwealth.com i want to thank all my guests today we had a lot of people in and out of the studio today on this uh, beautiful thursday afternoon hopefully the snow can hold the hold off for a little bit but thank you very much we'll listen to you uh, we'll be listening next thursday at four o'clock you've been listening to the annex wealth management show as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.